Hello and welcome to this week's episode from the Veg Grower Podcast. My name is Richard and I am trying to grow my fruit, vegetables and herbs in my allotment and my back garden. And I am starting this week's episode on Saturday the 5th of January 2022. I said last week that I didn't think I was going to get down the allotment this weekend. I was wrong. I've popped down the allotment this afternoon and I brought with me my little brother and Roxy, my little puppy. Now, Roxy, we've spent a lot of time over this last couple of weeks getting her recall trained. So that when I brought her down the allotment today, I say as she just runs past me on the road, but with the idea being now I can let her off a lead and let her not so much roam the area, but I haven't got to keep an eye on her. I know she's going to be pretty well behaved and she is very good at that, I've got to say. I do still have to keep my little eyes on her from time to time just to make sure. Anyway, what have I been doing down on the allotment today? Well, we came down here with my little brother and we've just... Well, one of the main jobs that I wanted to do was move one of my corrugated iron beds. Now, I built three of these beds last year, but one of them wasn't quite in the right place. I've now had to move that one, so all three are in line. And to me, it's just because it looks a bit more uniform, a bit better. First of all, I had to remove some of the weed suppressor membrane away from that area, which had been down for about a year. And I've got to say, where it's been down for a year, it did show that it had worked its magic and there didn't appear to be much in the way of weeds. But what is there? will easily be removed in the not too distant future but with the weeds pressing out of the way we then lifted this bed all in one go and moved it over to where i now want it and this bed will be my hugel culture bed so in the not too distant future i'm going to have to bring down some of our wooden trunks that we have at home and start setting that up as hugel culture one thing i did notice actually in where the bed was originally when we lifted it and when we cleared it out, I noticed there was a lot of mice that seemed to have taken up inhabitants in there. And I felt a bit guilty for all that. But uh, it has to be done, I'm afraid. I'm sure the mice will be fine. And I'm sure I've got plenty of other places that they can go to. Now, after moving there, I've done a bit of more weeding and tidying up. I haven't been down here much during this week. Concentrating a bit more on doing things at home. So... I've got more compost to come down. I've got more cardboard to come down. We're just making sure we're getting ready for that. But I've cleared a few more weeds. I've harvested some more leeks, which we're going to use tomorrow on our roast dinner, which I'm looking forward to. And uh, we've also harvested some more potatoes and some cabbages. Clearing out the area of the brassicas, which is going to be uh, another onion bed this year. So, yeah, that's what I've been up to today. Now, I'm going to head home in just a second, where I'm going to be starting to take care of my tools to get them ready for this year. And I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that when I get home. Tool maintenance. This is a type of thing that I like to do every year. I'm a little bit behind this year. Normally, I'll be doing it in December. But the good thing is with most of my tools, I look after them quite well and I maintain them quite regularly. So they don't actually need a huge amount of work done to them. 
let's uh, first of all, what do I do when I use my tools? As soon as I finish using them, I make sure I pot them away. And what I'll do is I'll bring them back into my shed. I plunge them into a bucket of sand and oil. Now, the sand and oil acts as a bit of an abrasive. It clears off any mud, clears off any rust, but it also coats the blade in oil which just means it, it lasts a little bit longer, it keeps it clean, and it does it in the world of good. And I've got to say, this is probably one tip that I will always share. I think it's such an easy thing to do. Just get a, a good-sized bucket, fill it with some sand, any type of sand. Sharp sand is probably best. And then add some old cooking oil, vegetable oil particularly is good, a bit of linseed oil if you've got it. I've not heard of people using motor oil I wouldn't do that myself because I think it's too too dangerous to use around vegetables. Vegetable oil is absolutely fine. Just pour that over the sand and there you go. You've got your uh, abrasive material. Now, because of that, I don't have to clear off much mud or much rust. But if I did have to, a wire brush and just give it a good clean, perhaps a bit of sandpaper or emery cloth, just to clear up any rust. This particular spade that I've got here today doesn't need that at all. What I will do is just sharpen the blade on this spade. So what I could do is use my bench grinder just to grind off a little bit, clear any nicks and make it all nice and straight and then just re-grind the blade. A spade is actually a cutting tool and it does make a difference actually if you have a sharp spade. So on, on a bench grinder with that and then... I will go all over the handles with linseed oil. I much prefer wooden handles. I feel they are nicer in hand, they're nicer to use, and I think they look better as well. But they do need a bit of care, and linseed oil just rubbed into the handles is is a yearly thing. It really does help look after the, the shafts themselves. It stops the wood from drying out so it stays supple and doesn't go brittle. And it also stops mud from dirt from clinging to it as well. So linseed oil is pretty cheap, easy to get hold of. Just run to any local hardware store and they are sure to sell it. Now that's pretty much the same for most of my garden tools, my forks, my spades, my hose, my rakes, even my knives and things like that as well. My secateurs, they're a different thing because what I like to do with secateurs is actually take them apart so I can really get in and access the blade. That's why I always choose secateurs that come apart quite easily. Again, it's a case of clearing up any rust Sharpening the blade. Now, you probably won't be able to do this on a bench grinder. It would be difficult for me to do on a bench grinder, certainly. So I use a round file, and that does work quite nicely. In fact, I go as far to say, always keep a file on you when you're in the garden anyway. A few stripes across a hoe or secateurs while you're working does really help. Just keep that, again, that blade sharp, which it's got to be said, that sharp blade does make a job safer. Another tip I've got to share is always have a, a little file on you when you're in the garden or sharpening stone. Gardening gloves. Now, gardening gloves are cheap. I don't like to waste anything, but once they get too worn, they go into the compost heap. I always try and get natural material gloves. They're, again, they're nicer to work with and they just look better. So yes, that is very simply how I look after my gardening tools. Keep them sharp, keep them clean, 
and keep them well oiled in a, a summary. Right, let's continue finding out what I've been up to this week. Well, it is Sunday the 6th of February 2022 today. I'm in the podding shed at home and I've taken a trip out today and I went to CD Sunday, which is held normally every year in Brighton. And we did go a couple of years ago. You may well recall we, we spoke to many organisers um, and for a few years before that I've been going. Unfortunately last year it was cancelled due to Covid and this year was a very def- very very different event. First of all it was in a different location. It was in a open air market which actually kind of worked. It was very rustic feeling but it was much, much, much smaller. Gone had been the talks. Gone had been the the huge haul of products being sold. It very much was a very stripped down seed swap. There was a couple of stalls selling stuff, but mostly it was a, a seed swap. And you know what? It worked. I quite liked it. I didn't feel like I had to spend hours having a look around there. I could get in and out within an hour. So, yeah, I, I really did quite like it. And what what did I get from there? Well, first of all, I got a bag of seaweed meal, which I'm looking forward to testing out. It's basically seaweed that has been dried and then ground down into a powder. And it's meant to help with like a feed. It's meant to be very good for a great number of plants. And then there was a seed swap. Now, I didn't have any seeds to swap, or I didn't take any seeds to swap, to be honest. I just made a contribution of 50p per packet. I thought that was quite reasonable for what we've got. I've just dropped the first packet on the floor that I got. So, first of all, I got a runner bean called Streamline, a pea called Progress N9, Everlasting Onion called Batten. I don't know much about those, but Everlasting was what caught my eye on those. Climbing French Beans, a Brunhild. That's quite a common one. Calabrese Green Sprouting, quite a common one. Squash Blue Ballet, like the idea of that. Squash Green Curry, also like the sound of that. A leek called King Richard, which I'm actually going to be sowing on next Sunday's live show going to be doing a a leak grow along so please do join us for that and then finally something that I've heard a lot about in the past and I've managed to get hold of is some Egyptian walking onions these have really fascinated me for quite a while and I'm looking forward to growing these what I understand is that we plant these they're almost like shallots plant little shallots in the ground they will grow and then they will up the stem they will start to produce next year's seeds in at which one point they will flop over and plant those seeds into the ground by themselves i've got to admit this is something i've never grown before i don't know much about growing it but i'm really excited to give it a try looking forward to seeing how they get on Now, I've got to say, this is a great thing about seed swaps, is that sometimes you can find some really unusual seeds and get hold of them a lot easier. So if you have a seed swap near you, then please do go check it out. I highly recommend it. 
I think it's a great idea as well. A lot of these seeds are people who have allotments or grow their own plants who have saved seeds in order to share as well. And it's something that I'm trying to save seed. I'm not very or not very good at trying to do it though. Not very organized in all honesty. But I like the idea of saving seeds each year. Partly, my, my biggest problem is I've got way too many seeds in storage anyway. Now, on that note, as it's all coming into the time when we're going to be starting to sow seeds, I thought I'd just discuss a little about how I have good successes at sowing seeds at this time of year. <laughs> I know at this time of year, many of us are itching to start sowing seeds. I certainly am. And I have already been sowing quite a few seeds, as you've heard in my various diary sections. But in many cases, it is still too early to sow any seeds. There's fours and against for sowing now. For me, I sow early because I get busier later on in the year. And I kind of want it out of the way and, and done now in order to free up my time that's what works for me but to be honest I've also have to have propagators and grow lights in order to help make it successful for me but very soon the season will kick off when it is the good time to start sowing seeds and that I'm sure you will agree is when you really want to get ready and get prepared now for me most of my seeds are sown indoors there's very very few seeds i sow outdoors or directly where they are to grow the only seeds that i will sow outdoors and directly where they are to grow is carrots parsnips potatoes beetroot salad leaves and garlic and onion sets now first thing i like to do when it comes up to seed sowing time is to fire up my heated propagators and get them warmed up and checked over now heated propagators are pretty cheap to buy unless you go for the very very high-end ones but like most things you pay for what you get i personally haven't spent a huge amount of money on my heated propagators and you plug them in they've got an internal thermostat but they don't tell you that on the box but you plug them in they don't use a huge amount of electricity they just provide a bit of heat from the bottom in order to start off many of our seedlings now if you don't have a heated propagator you can start them off in airing cupboards or over radiators as a, a, a cheap alternative or something you may already have going. Now, I always use seed sowing compost in which I add perlite. Now, I add the perlite at a ratio of one part perlite to four parts compost. And I tend to make it up well in advance because I know I will sow lots and lots of seeds. What I find by using these two things is that they've both have helped increase my amount of success, my germination rate. Some people will tell you multi-purpose compost is fine, and that might well be true. But I found once I moved on to seed sowing compost, my germination rate just increased because the compost is a very, very fine compost. So the seed doesn't have to work hard to break through it. It's also very low in nutrients, so it doesn't have anything to get it going. It's It's very... I think very much in the favour of sowing seeds. 
And then I add perlite. Now the perlite acts as like a sponge. It adds, holds onto moisture a bit better. It adds a bit of uh, airflow through the comp soil as well. So that's why I tend to use it as well. And it, I find the two together, like I said earlier, have increased my germination rate tenfold. Then I use my seed trays, which I fill up with the perlite and the compost. Now, my seed trays are about 10 centimetres long, 3 centimetres wide and 3 centimetres deep. And I chose these because they fit inside my heated propagators. And they just, because they fitted, they seemed the right size to sow most of my seeds. It worked quite nicely and they just seemed to come together. I will add links to these from Amazon if that is of interest to you. Now, when I fill this up with compost, I try and get it about a centimetre from the top, depending on what I'm sowing. Some of the bigger seeds, the ball beans and the, the peas, do need some deeper soil, so I can't use these trays in them. But in those cases, they don't tend to start in the propagator because they start later on in the year. Once the seeds are scattered over surface, I'll then just sprinkle over some sieved seed compost, just using my sieve over the top and make sure all the seeds are covered. Most of the information on the seed packets will tell you how deep they need to be covered and that's what I like to adhere to. Then what I'll do is get a water mister. These are again very cheap to buy and I'll just spray the compost with the water mister before placing it in my heated propagator. Now when trying to wait for germination they don't need light which is why they can go in an airing cupboard and Again, I'm not fussed about the light at this stage, but once they germinate, that's when they need the light. And that's when I tend to move them to underneath my grow lights. Now, I have grow lights because my house faces east and west. So light on the windows and in the window sills is pretty poor. And also, we don't have a huge amount of window sills in the grand scheme of things. Also... We, in our old house, when I did this, I kind of ruined the windowsill. My wife was not happy with me for doing that. So we've um, we've made sure I don't use my windowsills, which is why I have grow lights set up. Last year, they were all set up in my shed, and I haven't built a system for it just yet, but I'm working on it over this next week so I can really get my seeds sown. When it comes to keeping the soil moist it only needs to be moist to help germination not soaking not completely covered in water and that's why i like to again use my mist sprayer just spray over the top of the compost about twice a day that may seem like a lot of watering too often but because it's a very fine mist and it just helps keep that compost damp it just helps with the germination because if you're using a watering can, what can actually happen is that the water goes in too quickly. It lifts the seeds up. It damages the soil structure and therefore your young seedlings have not got established. They've, they've not got off to that good start just by that act of watering. Just misting the soil just seems to work really nicely for me. Moving on from that, once the true leaves are shown, that's when I prick them out. Now that just goes into pots of multi-purpose compost. No matter what the seed is, it will go into multi-purpose compost. And I also like to use a seaweed feed at that young age. What I find is a seaweed feed just helps uh, produce better root system and a plant needs good roots. 
So there we go. That's my tips and my thoughts on how I go about being a successful seed germinator. Love to know if you have any tips or thoughts on that as well that you would like to share. I'd be really interested to hear. Uh, As always, get in touch to share that with me. Right, let's get back on with what I've been up to over this last week. Well, it is Monday, the 7th of February, 2022 today. I'm back in the podding shed. And that is because I am going to be sowing some tomatoes. Now, I read an article yesterday where Monty Don said February is the best time to grow some tomatoes. I will link to this article in the show notes if that's of any interest to you. And while I don't disagree February is a good time to sow tomatoes, the thing is it's only good if you have the space and things like a greenhouse or things like that to move them out into. Now, I'm going to be sowing mine in February. Usually the tomato seeds that I sow in February are destined to grow in a greenhouse for their life. I won't sow any of my outdoor tomatoes until March, April time. Reason being is I find they just get too big too early and then you struggle with them to find a space in order to keep them. So I'm not disagreeing with it. I think it's a good idea and just... um, something to think about when it comes to sowing tomatoes but I'll give it a try and we'll see just how well it works out. The variety I'm doing is a variety called Christmas Grape. Now I've also added uh, a slight thing to this shed that's just making my life a little bit more comfortable an oil field radiator which is on it's keeping me warm while I'm working in this shed. I used to have a little fan heater in here which was a bit noisy but the oil field radio is just doing the job instead. And I think it uses less electricity as well. So win, win, win. Right, well, I'm going to wrap this up for this week. So thank you so much for joining me. If you've enjoyed it, then perhaps you would consider becoming a member of my supporters club. Head to the veggrowerpodcast.co.uk to sign up. But what it is, each month you get a collection of seeds sent direct to your door with a monthly newsletter. Added to that, I also add extra podcasts for supporter members to listen to. And uh, they're very much behind the scenes. And for that, I just charge £5 a month. Like I say, the veggrowerpodcast.co.uk for more details. While at the veggrowerpodcast.co.uk, perhaps you want to leave a comment on the bottom of a blog post or leave a voicemail just so we can uh, play in a question or some feedback or anything like that in next week's podcast. Perhaps you'd be good enough to leave a review on your podcast service as well, because that also does go a long way to help. And finally, don't forget to check me out on social media. Leave a message, leave a comment, anything like that. And also, my email address is richard at veggrowerpodcast.co.uk if you want to get in touch that way. Well, that is it for this week. We'll be back again next time. So until then, please take care. (laughs) 